everyone, and welcome to the 16th episode of Something in the Crumb. This is I am Unsung Kim, and I'm Kim Wen. And today we're going to talk to you about The King. So this is our second fusion installment extended from Hyena, where we talk, um, we, we are going to talk about the world's most ridiculous show that we've ever seen <laughs> called The King, The Eternal Monarch, and tie it in with this other show that we just spoke of, Hyena. Yes, The King, Eternal Monarch, is uh it's a brand new show i think was just released this year um and it is i think one of the like most high budget shows we've ever watched maybe one of the most high budget k-dramas that have existed um but it is truly like the most ludicrous show we've ever watched truly um yes so there's a lot to say about it but I think um you know the reason we kind of paired it with Hyena is um I think we wanted to expand a bit more on this conversation about um reformists and uh people who choose to work within a system and people who recognize that the system um is useless and full of trash (laughs) Um, and this is actually a show that we felt um, was a perfect example of reformists and kind of the failure of that. However, it because of how the narrative rolls out and the sort of structure of it, um, it you can see how um, the idea of reform actually becomes one that people believe is um, a viable option for our current universe, if you will. Absolutely. Basically, it's a show about how reformists will kill and destroy all universes. <laughs> so, like, like all of them, like really, just for their own pleasure. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, this show is as based upon the title already will tell you. Um, it's uh, structured around a monarchy, particularly one person, this this king. Um, and it, there are two universes, uh, in this show. There's the Republic of Korea with a C, or sorry, the Kingdom of Korea with a C. Oh, yes. We'll change that. Um, the Kingdom of Korea with a C and the Republic of Korea with a K. Um, and that, uh, we primarily sort of see the king, but a multitude of other characters sort of going back and forth between these two universes, um, in part because of something that happened uh, in the kingdom of Korea a really long time ago. So when the king was a child, um, he was witness to his father's own death at the hands of his evil step-uncle, um, who was, you know, it was a, it was a coup, He was attempting to steal a magical flute. (laughs) Twist! It's a magical flute. (laughs) And and he is partially successful. He he kills the young king's um, father and almost kills uh, the king when he was young, um, but only gets away with half of the magical flute um, and escapes. 
And when we meet the king in his adult life, um, it becomes clear that the evil step-uncle actually isn't dead. He's still alive, um, doing weird, evil stuff. Um, And there's two universes that exist. And the king realizes, because he is the holder of the second half of the magical flute, he also has the ability to um, go to this other universe, the Republic of Korea. Right. So we thought we would mention right away that... um, we have no sympathy for any monarchy. Any of them. <laughs> they are not of interest to us. Uh, the kingdom is not set up as some kind of utopia for the poor. It is not... Still not a co-op. Not a co-op. Um, and part of the kingdom, it very it's very clear that... Um, this is a place where the monarchy was able to remain because the same kind of history that Korea currently has with Japan does not exist. And um, so it's a, his, it's, a, it's a space or it's a universe where Korea was not colonized by Japan. And thus Korea was able to keep its tradition of a monarchy. Um, which is supposed to be like the emblem of an anti-colonial history or like some kind of non-colonial history and we just want to say that that's garbage that is the you know another signal of reform number one absolutely (laughs) right there (laughs) yeah so we are unimpressed by the sort of romanticization of or this very easy equation that's set up that a monarchy equals a space without colonial uh, colonial history, because this is a space where capitalism continues to exist, patriarchy continues to exist, and uh, uh, the the presence of a monarchy actually sets up different kinds of problems. It doesn't necessarily eliminate them. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the um, the kingdom is definitely framed as being more traditional. Um, there's a, a kind of, um, yeah, that, that fantasy, I think, about uh, the way it used to be is sort of framed a lot in within um, the kingdom. And the Republic of Korea is basically just contemporary south korea right right um for the most part um or we're supposed to kind of believe it's some version of um contemporary south korea um but it's it's actually kind of interesting too that they frame you know this like like you're imagining that there are parallel universes that exist um and then when uh the king first like enters into or travels um to the republic you know it's like it's really not that different (laughs) actually from the the kingdom itself uh which again is um maybe another signal of the the reformist fantasy right there um but some things that we you know wanted to point out about the differences that we learned between um these two universes there's 
we, we watched a lot of episodes and there's a lot of stuff we still don't know and understand because most of the show just like doesn't make any sense but here are some of our takeaways that we'd like to share with you so yes. what we know about the kingdom it's a monarchy um there's no boba just in case you're wondering um there's mostly horses and swords their prime minister is evil for sure um and there's a freaky kid who is actually the human incarnate of a magical flute in the kingdom uh so in the republic though their queen is capitalism everyone eats at barbecue all of chicken um which you know we're very familiar with from our k-drama lexicon um we don't know much about their government system it, they don't really address it uh but we do learn a lot about the police which says everything um and in the republic there is also a freaky kid who is actually the human incarnate of a magical flute <laughs> and the him being a magical flute is important in that he is then the vessel or portal yes to the other universes yes um and when the magical flute comes together at the end of the series uh the freaky kid can become an adult a teen old teen i don't know <laughs> he ages it doesn't really make any sense um but yes effectively he is the he's the portal to opening up or the key that opens up um not only access to these two universes but the multitude of um parallel universes that exist right um, we have never seen a show with this much product placement. Um, oh my god! <laughs> just out of control. Go ahead, Kim. I it's it's a show that's basically just constructed on product placement. Um, it's a very high budget show, and I don't know if like that's why they had to do all this product placement, or if the product placement just then made uh gave them permission to make this very expensive show but they go to barbecue all of chicken all the time they have skincare helmets there's like entire scenes that are completely pointless to the narrative um that are constructed around like facial bombs um and, and so like they don't just go to barbecue all of chicken I mean, we don't even. We shouldn't even say the name of the. You know, like they don't just eat chicken at a very specific place. Like, evil doppelgangers also eat there. So it's not like our main characters have dates there, but it's like the person from another universe who is your evil twin, who is there to kill you on their lunch break, will also visit the same chicken shop and eat food and you're just like what and the evil prime minister during her you know she's so stressed life is so difficult so she will use a skincare helmet and a facial bomb to like de-stress and they it's and again it's not even just as setting or as prop they will all comment on like oh, it, like, fits everybody's face, or, oh, this is so smooth, it's so refreshing, it makes your skin so soft, oh, this is so delicious, like, they just constantly compliment all of these products, it's, it's truly one of the most egregious examples of product placement I, I think I've ever seen. 
And it got so distracting that we almost stopped watching it. But it was also like, maybe we should talk about why we continue to watch the most <laughs> ludicrous show ever. Because when Kim first told me about this show she was watching, she kept being like, I don't know, maybe don't watch it. And then she would tell me more. And I was like, that sounds like the kind of show that I want to watch. Like all of your ex- descriptions are so interesting. She would be like, and then the evil step uncle... <laughs> like like figured out some other scheme and recruited all these people and like yeah look i tried real hard not to get you to watch this because i was like this show is so it's ludicrous like it makes no sense and but also there are like things in it where you're like okay we can work with this (laughs) i think for our purposes um but I think one of the things that we really gravitated towards is maybe in relationship to, you know, something that's been on our mind a lot in this particular moment. And um, one of them is to kind of explain, you know, what your, your comment about your evil doppelganger. So the parallel universe, um, as we understand it, I think, Unsung, you read about this, is that it's not simply an alternate world. When it's a parallel universe, there are versions of you, right? It's just that mm-hmm. there's, like, it's it's a replica of um, the other universe that maybe you exist within, but it doesn't mean necessarily that the version of you in this other universe is you. Yes. They just, like, look like you, effectively. But, so, this whole series involves um, the evil step-uncle kind of exploiting this sort of weird, like, parallel lives that these two people, who look identical, um, you know, where, like, he'll go and say, um, it's a bit like Saw or something in that way, where he also, like, grants, like, wishes, and so he'll go to, say, the Republic of Korea and finds this person who looks identical to the person that he needs um, removed or he needs to exploit in uh, the kingdom. And so then he'll go to the other universe and then, like, blackmail or grant some evil wish so that this person is um, indebted to him in some way. Or he, like, tells them that, you know, your life is total trash here, but I can give you a better life if you basically just, like, go and kill your doppelganger in the other universe no problem and so he does a lot of this like going back and forth of these characters to uh manipulate them and it it feels very unclear as to what why he's doing this um because it doesn't seem like it's really adding up to total domination (laughs) in any way (laughs) it does show us that the step uncle is uh He's not a refined thinker. He, he is he's not a refined thinker. He's an overcomplicator. Like, he's really overcomplicating the situation, for sure. I, I mean, and that's the thing that, I think the reason why we just kind of, you know, keep pushing on the fact that we don't understand his motivations is because of how complicated all of this is, where you're like, I don't, you don't need to do this. Like, yeah, you murdered your stepbrother and committed treason, in this other universe and you found out that this other universe existed like just go there and live there you know (laughs) but like he doesn't just do that he's got to go back and forth and murder all these other people and it's just like and it's just like the more and more that he does this the more complicated it gets and you're just like okay this is leading up to something right and it 
it kind of doesn't really lead up to anything and you don't really understand why he spent so many years doing all of this nonsense and by like why can't you just live in the republic of korea where the you know the main system is capitalism the queen is capitalism there's no monarchy Mm -hmm. but there's a system called neoliberal capitalism then gaining and amassing power there it does require well that um but he he doesn't he he's sort of more or less wealthy somehow because that's never explained but like the recruitment that he does is not about going over and necessarily murdering anyone it's like a slow accumulation to try oh, to commit. no he ma- he makes them murder people too oh no no no, no yes yes the, he murders many people but like it's like the murder is supposed to be a slow accumulation that builds up to revealing to the kingdom that there's a parallel universe so his motivation is supposed to be that he wants other people to understand that there are multiple universes which is like not necessarily the same thing as i want want to be the king mm-hmm. so i feel like those are two different desires that are then somehow conflated in this show um but this is all just to say that he is a very confusing character i like was asking him i was like is he a good looking bad guy or is he an old bad guy or a young bad guy like who is he like we don't see there is no character development essentially of any of the main characters in this show and there's really no rationale for anything um but the whole show is a really good it does set up it's fodder for us to talk about what it means for um like you know for us to really talk about like ally allyship and how the various different versions of you um, do not exist to be in community with you or in agreement with you or even, I mean, they are, they are as opportunistic and they, are, they see you as competition. And they, um, yeah, like even at the end of the, the series, like she makes a, a comment about how, you know, maybe this version of you didn't grow up with like it it grew up with this set of conditions and some other thing happened and so you're a tyrant here so we can't stay here so it is really clear that it's not you it's just someone like you who looks like you uh and so all of the problems of everything is about the fact that you are fighting versions of you but nobody else believes that they're not you yeah (laughs) i mean are you still with us listeners it's just crazy um but it's it's also like you know this this idea that um part of how he recruits these people is this like really strange um belief or like kind of like a false connection that exists between a doppelganger like just because someone looks identical to you um it doesn't mean that you or they are like, like you're actually not bound to each other in the way that I think he exploits um, that kind of uh, presu- or presumption about it, where I think that it's like, that people are like, well, my life is garbage here and I I am owed, I am owed this life. Mm. And like, because that person looks like me that I like, and it's like, what? Like, why would you be owed that life? Yeah. And that somehow, you know, and, like, it kind of, like, completely negates, like, the fact that, yes, like, this person also, like, was raised completely differently, had different connections. Like, all of these things are just, like, 
gone and that this person and so he it's like a real it's actually like there's something that's like so um gross that's like very similar to like military recruitment or something with like this class exploitation you know where he does like he reaches out to um the doppelganger or the original i don't even know who's the original in any of these things um that is in the most desperate of situations you know someone who has like uh has no money whose partner has died whose children um are not well or you know like basically in all of these different um scenarios and then exploits that to be like hey like here's like basically this you you in this universe has all of this Mm -hmm. and you need to like it basically it's like it's yours it's Mm -hmm. also yours Mm -hmm. and that you and it's like that is just like crazy you know just because we look alike doesn't mean we even like we we actually have that connection that connection is is a false one i think and and i think that it's also the assumption that we're all working towards the same things yeah which is also false and um and so that like so a lot of the show is just like him you know moving moving all these bodies back and forth and manipulating them but part of it is that these people um like yeah there's like an individualism about it too where it's like they feel as though there also can't be two of them there should only be one yeah two which is like so then they're presented with the option of killing the other doppelganger they're almost all of them are just like absolutely um but we should did we explain who like the female so like in the parallel universe the republic of korea um there exists this person that doesn't exist in the kingdom and she is a beat cop oh well we think she doesn't exist in the kingdom we think she doesn't exist in the kingdom more or less or her her beat cop position does not exist (laughs) and something about her like her id badge somehow exists in the kingdom of you know in the kingdom and the king yeah go ahead go ahead (laughs) yes okay so when i first started watching it i thought that okay so we (laughs) this show is so i just like you can't even talk about it because it's just so it's just so bananas um but when the king is a child the reason why he doesn't die um, even though his evil step uncle is about to kill him, he gets saved by this like mysterious person who's wearing all black with like a black cap and a black jacket, um, who takes out a bunch of people and then like he uh, doesn't die. <laughs> and but like as he's checking to make sure the little boy is um, still breathing, the little boy like basically like pulls down a name tag. Um, and then keeps it, and it turns out to be the name tag of this beat cop, but from the future. <laughs> and when I first started watching it, I was like, "Whoa, cool! Like this, like lady just like took out all these dudes. And that was great." <laughs> that's, that's what. Not- that's how you. That's how you convinced me to watch this show. You're like, in the first twenty minutes. This lady takes out a bunch of men. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, whoa, all right. I'm like, she stopped a coup. And like, well, maybe we mostly believe in coups. But she stopped this coup and like took out all these dudes. And I was like, whoa, amazing. Um, And then it turns out that wasn't her. That was actually the king as an adult 
who took his flute and went back in time. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. If you are still here. I'm sorry. This has to be the most confusing show slash podcast, but also I'm like really into it, so I hope you're into it. <laughs> I yeah, I mean we can't we can't even like we just can't even begin. It's just all of it's just it's all like this yeah. <laughs> throughout the entire series. Um, but all this to say is that so there's the king, which is the lead male character, and this beat cop, which is the lead female character. And underlying all of this stuff is this weird connection that they have, um, which then leads to a romance that has no chemistry at all. <laughs> a romance that it, uh, has no chemistry actually was so underdeveloped that you're kind of like, wait, you're in love? Like, Yeah, it just like went there right away. You're like, like oh. wait, why would you miss each other? What happened? And then he's like traveling the parallel universes and just like going back and forth. And she's like, I can't live in your kingdom because I really want to continue being a beat cop. I'm you know, this might, be, <laughs> this might be the most realistic, like dating in your 30s kind of story. You know? <laughs> Where it's like, I got a job. I'm really busy. I don't have time. We're not going to any bars. I'll see you on the weekend sometimes. Like, I'll call you in a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> Oh but then you're also like, we're lonely, we're in our 30s, I guess we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> that is essentially what happened on the show. You're like, wait, you love each other? <laughs> Since when? Like, and why? You know, and it's, all right, here we are, you know. And the, the, there's so much of that in the show that you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're love. All right. Like, there's some other crazy stuff going on that we're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, you're in love. So, of course, you would go to this random kitchen uh, chicken place and gift each other this, like, very specifically product place pastry thing, you know? And then she's like, she like just to like really show that she's independent she's like when like he's like do you want to be a queen in my monarchy she's like no i really gotta i really care about being a beat cop can't give up my career and life like being a police officer that chases quote-unquote petty criminals down the street and yeah whatever um so then they just figure out how to like hang out on the weekends like Kim says like <laughs> proper 30 year olds they're like we'll just see each other on the weekends then in a different parallel universe like yeah it's uh, it doesn't make any sense um, but you know they end up together um, and I think based upon our descriptions of all the other stuff happening on the show, you realize why the love story is also like, I don't know why this is even relevant. Um, but the beat cop uh, initially thinks that she doesn't exist um, when they're first learning about the two worlds and they realize that the king doesn't exist in the Republic. Um, and he just assumes that maybe, you know, some people some people there are doubles of and some people there aren't. Um, but then they learn afterwards that he doesn't exist in the Republic because his evil step-uncle killed the child version of him successfully in the Republic. Um, so that's why he doesn't exist. Uh, 
And so then I think when the beat cop goes to the kingdom, she initially thinks that maybe she she's just someone that also doesn't exist, which again, what are these fantasies that you're like, I guess I'm super special. There's only one of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, sorry. Definitely another one of you. And she might be more interesting. (laughs) She's not though. No, she's sadly not, but she's, yeah, she's like, she's a missed opportunity character. She's a missed opportunity character because she does get become recruited to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She is a petty criminal um, in the kingdom because she grew up poor and her father, the version of her father there actually really wanted her to be a petty criminal. And so when she's recruited, she's more than happy to kill uh, the beat cop, not to be a police officer, but to really just kind of have this normative life where she just receives love from her father, the version yeah. of her father there, um, and eat chicken. So, you know, it's a real missed opportunity for the doppelganger who is basically would have been the polar opposite character because her criminality isn't interesting it's like her criminality is just about her um becoming just like so normative and so it's a a criminality also predicated upon um reform uh yeah yeah and there there are like a number of um yeah there's sort of like this this understanding that you know they just cannot coexist essentially that there's just there's truly only room for one um which again i don't really understand why that has to be true (laughs) um i feel like there's also some sort of uh racialized argument in there about how there's only room for one of you for some reason um and she or they both kind of believe this to be true and so that one is immediately positioned as being a threat to the other yes um just because they're in the same universe together um and the fascinating thing about the beat cop is that when the series progresses and then more of the universes open up um and we go to the different or the king goes to different universes and tries to encounter um the be cop and to see if it's like the version of her that he knows uh every single version of her works in law enforcement in some variation so she's the symbol of the police that's what we're yeah. trying to tell you like yeah. she's, she exists to be the police yeah <laughs> which is not what we look for in a lead female character <laughs> not high on our list <laughs> yes so that's why the missed opportunity petty criminal is perhaps the better of them all and she's not even that good <laughs> she's not interested in criminality she's not interested in anything she's just um what is she what is she she just like has like slightly weirder hair and looks a little sleep deprived yeah she's got bags under her eyes and her hair is kind of dry and died it's it's not good um and she she is friends with the the freaky child human incarnate of the magical flute (laughs) it's true um but 
the the parallel universes in this show doesn't set up an opportunity to uh really like the the criminal element is not about it there's no interest in any kind of interchange interplay inter knowledge or even forms of inner um, power the parallel universes really become the setup to kidnap as many doppelgangers <laughs> or recruit as many doppelgangers and that's why we're saying this is the part of the show that did intrigue us because it is true that the hardest fight is the one with the person who looks like you mm-hmm. because you do have there is this kind of confusion like do you kill someone who looks exactly like you well if the person who looks exactly like you does not seem to be hesitating well then do you fight back or do you try to reason with this Mm -hmm. person and if they do not then what do you do and then why do so many of them genuinely believe that across the universes there could only be one like the recruitment seems to be so simple and we thought that there was something about this that we could talk about um, at in depth because of the way that I think um, allyship is basically like a broken word at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And there's something so distilled in this about how the doppelganger does not exist to assist your life in whatever universe. So the, the doppelganger is introduced to destroy your life and to overtake your life and you it's almost like a process of not just being gaslighted but it's a fight that you you feel really alone in because almost nobody believes that this person is even a doppelganger they just believe that that's you yeah and you know and it's we're we're not talking about a fiction here This is real, everybody. We, if you've made it this far on this podcast, you know what we're talking about is real. But you know, like let's like let's just say it. You know, but like white supremacy does this, right? Like white yeah. supremacy creates this like construct in which there is a belief, right, that there is only room for one of you, and it kind of it inherently creates both um, an immediate familial connection and one of competition right away. So you both recognize that you are the same slash like what you can contribute, what you can give, what you are of value in this society. Um, But at the same time, um, because of that kind of familiarity or whatever, it's like, but you have to like also kind of destroy each other in order for someone to survive. And I think that it, it kind of creates a strange space in which um, it flattens, you know, it flattens, everybody mm-hmm. all the, all the doppelgangers as being of a, the same entity you know it's like it's not just because you look alike does not mean you have anything in common it does not mean you are the same it does not mean that you believe in the same things it does not mean that you have the same politics the same values and like and the assumption that they are that there's only room for one is also this under like that they're replicas yes. and they are not replicas you know and and I think that this is, like, the thing that was super fascinating to us. Um, just in terms of, you know, also, like, that allyship doesn't mean anything. But um, that what happens in this kind of um, construction is that all it does is, like, silo, right? It, like, silos 
you to also being like the fight is also just between you and this other doppelganger mm-hmm. when we also recognize that there's like a lot of other things that we have to mutually be fighting together yeah and it, it, it becomes a type of distraction but also a kind of important work that needs to be done and it's like it's a very complicated space to sort of exist within yeah it became so intense that kim was like i'm starting to like have dreams about this like and and we say this like very frankly and seriously that this is a conversation particularly in the Asian American community that's been brewing for some time historically but also within this current context in the world it's ever more sort of pressing as in like um, how do Asian Americans claim the position of being a non-white person and 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 does that happen um how often does that happen to perpetuate anti-blackness and also like how do asian americans interact with each other especially because the category even though historically is a uh it was one formed out of political necessity or political urgency is really no longer serving the the non-rich non-east asians it's it's a it's a category of collapse more than anything other uh, anything else and i think um this insistence of the doppelganger in this show that you are the same and because you are you must be in competition i think it really is not fiction i think this is actually the lived reality under white supremacy and so watching the show we were just like oh my god like the person who is who you're fighting with and the person that you're fighting against that it's not that it's not clear and it's not really based on visual cues and it's really difficult because the rules of the, the rules are just becoming only more complicated well and the fact that it doesn't take like and as you mentioned it doesn't take much for them to willfully be used, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take much for, um, for you know, evil step uncle to be like, hmm? how about a little better life? You know, like how about you get a little taste of power? How about you get a little taste of something? You know, a little bit of privilege here, yeah. and they're just like, okay, for sure, we'll kill my doppelganger for it, and and that I think is a very common struggle in the Asian you know, Asian American community, right? Where it's like, you dangle, you dangle that in front of a lot of people and they will buy into it very quickly. And they will also very willingly enter into um, a situation in which they will be used. Um, And, and, and it's like, I think that was the thing that, you know, for us, we were just like, oh, this is too familiar. Like, wait a minute. Like from inbox to TV show, like what is <laughs> happening? But, you know, I think that this this is something that you brought up earlier that like what is what what does it mean that the doppelganger just assumes that that is the life that you deserve? Like what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we make of this entitlement that you look like this person and so naturally de facto you you can perpetuate the like uh, an amount of violence that the majority of doppelgangers do not seem to be willing to use on just anyone. It's like very specifically targeted for 
they're doppelganger, right? Like, they're not willing to kill everybody in the parallel universe or even anyone in their universe to get rich, to gain more power. Um, Not that we're advocating for this, but it's not like they're engaging in acts of violence in their universe. It's like when they're presented with the opportunity that violence against the person that looks like them will... Um, allow them to gain more power and money it's immediately accepted but it's like it's only because they think they can get away with it because they can replace that person because they already look like that person so they would not actually perpetuate this to someone who doesn't look like them and I think that that's what was so crushing for us because Mm -hmm. we see there is a lot of that and there's a lot of it that's unspoken and I think it's unspoken for all of the reasons of white supremacy and colonialism but there's something about how like you just show up at this parallel universe to murder just the one person who looks like you because you feel entitled to their life and rather than sympathy or rather than some kind of exchange rather than any kind of anything all of you systematically do this as if it's just like of course it's easy it's assumed yeah well and it is a kind of like it's a it's a kind of like a an act or like a kind of violence that also like because it is something that's like yeah it's like they're just going around and killing everybody just like basically i'm entitled to that life so therefore what i'm doing isn't violent even like there's like a justification as if because that's the life that you're supposed to have that it belongs to you anyway that um to take it it's like it's not even taking it it's taking it back yes for them yeah Uh. even though it's like not the life you have like taking it it's almost like an entitlement of taking it back which this is a line of reasoning that <laughs> exists it's a uh, prevalent and it's very confusing it's as, it's as confusing as the step uncle's <laughs> rationale um yes. yeah yeah and i think that this is you know some of the things that we we struggle with you know amongst um <laughs> amongst our own very real doppelgangers you know in our lives where you find that these there is some point you know there is a point actually in which uh you you maybe believe that you're all sort of working towards a similar trajectory and then you realize very much so that they're that they are actually on a different path altogether yeah and that and that point of separation for at least on this show is actually a very key one for what the um, evil step uncle manipulates is like that moment, you know, where like something has like changed and like you, like basically it's like you could have had this life or this was yours, but yeah. this happened to you or this happened, you know? And I think that that is actually, that moment is a very key one just in terms of um, <laughs> even like the development of politics for Asians, I think. I, absolutely. Um, okay, so k- kind of continuing that, um, you have notes on here about how what we learn, what we learn in this show about everything and nothing is that going back and forth is what causes the rupture in, in the universes. So the step uncle, but also the king, yes. trying to chase each other is causing um, the universes to sort of disintegrate. Do you want to say more about this? 
I mean, I guess. I don't, I, it's like they all they all have some like not even all of them. I don't even know why. Only some of them do. Evil ones, I'm not even sure. But the king also has this, so I don't know what to do with this. But they basically discover that whenever lightning strikes, it's a lot of rain, I guess, in both of these kingdoms. Spring, maybe. They get like this like like lightning burn on their bodies. It's like incredibly painful. And it becomes, I think, some sort of... Uh, indicator that the both of the universes are actually kind of starting to rupture or fall apart because mm-hmm. of all this like movement of people going back and forth and back and forth and so they're it's starting to tear in some way and that things will start to um disintegrate if they kind of continue uh with whatever it is uh, you know whatever they're doing right now so it's not basically it's like it's it's the the catalyst for the king to be like, well, the evil step uncle must be stopped. Like mm-hmm. we have to now kill him because otherwise people are just going to keep going back and forth. And then there will be no universes left, which I think sounds all right too. But he apparently wants to preserve both of them or something. Um, so the end of the series, um, you know, he goes, so he goes back in time. <laughs> he, uh, once again, doesn't save his father, but saves himself as a child, gets the, gets the flute as a whole piece, maybe? Doesn't get the flute broken? I don't remember. And <laughs> I can't remember. Like, it's just, whatever. The flute comes together, the freaky child flute ages, the universe is all open up, uh, but then I think he successfully kills, he successfully kills the evil step-uncle. Yes. Goes back in time, because he realizes that he's like, I just have to go back in time, and, like, if I stop him, stop the moment of treason, if I just, like, kill the uncle, then all this other stuff would not have happened. All these people going back and forth and everything, and the universes will go back to whatever they were supposed to. Um, and, but that kind of solution also requires this belief that there should not be any movement between mm-hmm. any of these universes. That So everyone actually, the, the goal is for everyone just to stay exactly where they are and do not go in between these worlds, which we thought was actually something that was kind of like a tactic to prevent revolution because they don't want people communicating with each other and to not know, to not know that something else exists, that an alternate reality can exist in some way. And... Um, we thought very much how this was like part of the job of the reformist is to maintain maintainability is actually really key to kind of pushing that. So that we, we thought was also another signal of the king as a reformist, right? Because it's not just like it's like maintain maintenance on such a deep level because it's a way to maintain the monarchy. It's a way to maintain neoliberalism in South Korea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's a way of just kind of making sure the worlds are never altered under the guise that, like, if anything is altered, all the worlds will end. And that is always how the end of capitalism is narrated. Like, you will just, everything will end. So you can't let everything end. Thus, we must save, you know, whatever, the, the scraps. Well, and it's totally a reform fantasy because he's like, we'll just go back to the way it is, the way it should be. 
Like there's no, there's no just like a, a new possibility. There's no, there's no end. It's just like I'll just kill this guy and it'll be exi- like we'll go back to normal. We'll yeah. go back to what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that is his idea of resolving yeah. the situation. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then do you want to like do, do you want to talk about like Trimman Ha? <laughs> real oh quick? yes. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, I was you know I was kind of thinking. Um, some night before falling asleep um as i do i often think about our podcast (laughs) both of us think more about this than almost everything else we're like oh my god what this show is really about is that the only enemy is your doppelganger (laughs) really because that is actually how this show is presented is like the antagonist that everyone has to fight is that's just the the version of you that's willing to kill you yeah yeah so yeah yeah. which literally was my nightmare the other night (laughs) um if anyone's interested love to share this dream have someone unpack it cindy might have to come back again (laughs) Um, but one of the thoughts i had was you know why uh and this is to kind of go along with the last couple of episodes we've done as well where you know, our interest in the supernatural in some way. And um, Trinity Minha, you know, writes about how the supernatural itself was sort of created as this, like, anti-scientific kind of invention because people in the West don't want to believe that supernatural is natural and that these things that, you know, that we think are otherworldly or that are just, like, you know, of this kind of, just not of this earth, Mm-hmm. Um, is not one that is actually very natural and yeah. that should happen, you know, and that, and that this kind of, um, understanding that, you know, alternate sort of existences is within for us. Like, I think like that's, it should be natural, you know, yes. like we want that to be natural. It's not one that feels like it's impossible. And I think that, you know, and she talks about it just being like, this isn't, it's actually in a lot of other cultures, like the supernatural is just like, that's a part of, you know, our natural existence. And, and it made me think about how, you know, again, it's like, we have also willfully sort of chosen to not recognize things as being a parallel universe, you know, and I think that we actually have examples of parallel universes that exist already, you know, it's not... Like, not, I mean, the show is basically, like, I think, actually proof of it in a way where, uh, like, North Korea and South Korea are, like, an example, I think, of how mm-hmm. parallel universes, universes exist, you know, and that they exist in our current life, in our current understanding of life, in on this world, on this planet, you know, it's not something that's, like, completely sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that... Uh there are more i mean like quantum physicists are actually just like really taking positions that um they exist it's like Mm -hmm. mathematically they exist the parallel universe but it's like before you even present this information like the fact that we have such deep wealth inequality is an example of parallel mm-hmm. universes like you can, can you construct one system for one set uh, one set of people and you construct a different system for another like you willfully make these systems you willfully set it up this way and then it's like um it's absurd to sort of think of it in the supernatural or it's almost like it's set up that way so that you can make fun of it and scoff at it rather mm-hmm. than you set it up to be like actually so much of our current existence is 
existence is absurdity. Well, and it's it's set up that way to deny it, right? To deny yes. that it's like a real thing, and it, and it's it's a kind. It's also like a type of gaslighting, you know, like a social gaslighting that we are supposed to like as if that that isn't a real thing as if everyone is equal as if everyone you know lives in this exact same kind of way and we know that to not be true we mm-hmm. absolutely know it to not be true and um and i think that why you know to bring up the fact that like the republic of korea and the kingdom of korea are basically not that different i think is also just like a great example of that yeah. you know like there's like many ingredients that are the same but they are 100 percent parallel universes in the same way that we um like live in this same city and people have very different universes that they live within you know yes. or whatever it may be and the idea that these spaces have to be like maintained um when in all of these spaces there are monarchies and the police right like Mm -hmm. that's something that we thought about is that like you don't want to destroy them like you are without ambition you you want all of these places to have um concentrated sources of power concentrated sources of policing and the police like in every universe you're a beat cop you know you want to stay a beat cop like Let's yeah. t- let's. I mean, these are destroyed spaces. Let's just be honest. A world full of reformists. It's like it's already a site of destruction as it is. Um, and so we thought so much about how this show is really a counter show to Hyena in that, like, Hyena was really about a lead character who was like just fundamentally not interested in reconstructing the system, and. There were 16 episodes of this show where, like, everyone tried everything that they could do to maintain the system. Even as they actively destroyed it, they would still try to, like, they would go back to try to preserve it. So it was this kind of strange back and forth in this way. Well, and to use the monarchy um, metaphorically, but also, like, uh, you know, as we said, it's not a fiction, but, like, this idea about loyalty, I think, that really, um, that a lot of people do this out of duty mm-hmm. or like a type of loyalty mm-hmm. to that system and to preserving this yes. idea. And that, and that that comes up a lot in the show where you're just like, what? Why? Like, let it disintegrate. It's going to be all right. Like, and then you're just like, wait, are we identifying with the evil step-uncle? What's happening <laughs> The evil step uncle is not a character. He's just he's just a hologram, essentially. <laughs> like he's not he like exists as just an imprint. Um, also, he is always killing other versions of himself, not because he's in competition with them, but because he's angry that they are not as evil. Like they were not like sufficiently evil and like did not sufficiently overtake. It's like, it's just a lot. lot. I actually feel like there's a really great like Gen Z versus Gen X kind of moment in which the evil step uncle like basically goes back in time and sees the younger version of himself and he's like, I have some advice for you. You've got to, like, basically change this, do this with this plan, because you're going to fail if you don't. And then the younger version of him is just like, who are you, old man? Like, <laughs> you're like, fuck you, doppelganger. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I have, you're like, I'm going to do this coup the way I want to do this coup, and I'm not going to listen to you and 
tell me how to do it because you probably fucked it up. That's what he actually says. It's like, you fucked it up the first time. That's why. So, uh, no. And then he kills him. <laughs> I was like, what? This is amazing. He was a source of endless entertainment and just confusion. We were like, what? <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, yes. Yes. So a few things before, because we're nearing the end. Um, I wanted to point out that uh, I watched Fringe, this weird television show that existed for three seasons, where it was first about like strange fringe supernatural things in the world that then like I think an FBI agent or some kind of agent, law enforcement character and Joshua Jackson I don't really remember, I don't really remember what he was. They like tried to figure it out together, but she was law enforcement. And then the th- second to third season just became about parallel universes and how like there was another one and like, you know. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there was a one of the one of the most developed plot, plot lines in this show is about like one of the police officers and how he was stolen by this evil, by the evil step uncle and given or like some exchange happened where like this, the like he was brought over to the Republic um, because the version of him in the Republic was sick. Oh, yes. Yeah, and yes. did not recover. So, yes. like, the father did something shady, essentially being unable to grapple with the fact that his son um, was comatose, bartered or, like, made some negotiation with the step-uncle to bring the son over from, a um, like, to have a, a replacement doppelganger as his son. You look confused. Am I missing something? It's because I also don't know if I'm ever understanding the show. So please tell me if I miss something. I, I, okay. I think that, Was it yes. The, yeah. No, I think that you're right. I think that it's, it's in exchange, basically the evil uncle wanted access to this like, hospital or like mental health um Mm -hmm. institution of some kind i don't know why i think maybe to oh i think it was like oh that's how he kind of would get rid of the bodies Mm. i think that he would get rid of bodies by like using this facility or whatever that was run by um this father who made a deal with him that in exchange for this, like, child, um, <laughs> he would then uh, let the evil uncle use uh, his facility. And then, but then also just, like, kept the original son alive, like, on life support uh, in this hospital. And I think that the the mother... The mother thought that he was just, like, a miracle child or something. But I don't think she knew that his, like, her original son was um, still kept alive. So he has that. That character is actually the only one that has any character development uh, on the show, which is bizarre because he's a supporting character. (laughs) Um, But it's a very weird scene, too, when he, because he, like, 
has because he left he it's like he when we meet him he's in the republic and then uh we discover that he's actually originally from the kingdom but was uh kidnapped when um he was young so he has these memories of the kingdom but he doesn't quite understand um what's happened and so then when he like sees himself like in this hospital bed he's just like what and so there's a lot of stuff about him like piecing together his life and it turns out that there's actually a lot of characters who maybe have had this happen as well where it's not just like the evil uncle you know telling them explaining them but they're they've kind of gone back and forth for maybe a lot longer than we think I don't know. You know, truly, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It takes a really long time for this to be flushed out. And you're like, why are we still with this random character? But this is to say that this was the same plot line in Fringe. That, like, um, a grieving father, a grieving parent Mm. negotiated something to essentially kidnap uh, the doppelganger. So if it's not, like, murder of your doppelganger there's a kind of kidnapping of the doppelganger and i thought that there was something about this about how um i mean and then also a reckoning that like this is not the person so that's kind of like what the mother is like really devastated that this you know like because it's not like you're not the same person so what is this what is what are we grappling with in terms of like the inability to deal with grief um, mm-hmm. And the 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 amount of violence that people will enact over this, and yeah. this, this sort of logic of replacement that seems to occur both in forms of um, overtaking someone's life, but also to refuse to deal with um, devastation and grief and sadness. So I thought like that's really interesting that in this these two shows that have nothing to do with each other. Um, you have but they a, seem to already have a lot of parallels. <laughs> you have a kidnapped child, like a kidnapped son in particular, which, like, I'm sure that that's you know means a lot for all the patriarchs or something. So. I mean, again, you know, here's another example: shit dads. You know, this whole podcast is full of them, so just throw them onto the pile. I don't even sure. think you ever see the dad, like. Do you like it's just sort of inferred that like there was this negotiation because you or maybe you do, but you mostly see the no, mom. you do. He's in prison, oh, I think he's incarcerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. that you do, and that's part of like him piecing together what's happening. I think is like meeting his father in prison and finding out that yeah, this happened. But actually, the interesting thing about the doppelganger thing is that the parents, um. The way that the children kind of relate to the parents and these doppelgangers is one of like complete separation and mm-hmm. abandonment. So that that guy who is like trying to figure out his life story of like what's happening, he is like, well, my real dad basically like like my my real mom abandoned me, sold me off. Uh, my my assumed adopted dad, whatever it was, basically also like made this deal, or whatever, and like and then he kind of just like walks away from all of them he's like you're not my mom like the real woman who the woman who was his real mom when they reunite she's like oh my god you're so alive and i only did this so you could have a better life and he's like well i didn't have a better life and you're not my mom anymore see you later and so he just says like he 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 chooses orphan Ooh, he might be the best one (laughs) (laughs) he's the only character who's just like I don't choose any of you, and all of you, 
just yeah. all of you enacted so much violence and it led yeah. to nothing, you know, it yeah. led to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do. Okay. So before we fully, fully con- conclude, we should tell everyone what happens at the end, how the show concludes. <laughs> do you want to let them know, Kim? <laughs> I, well, you know, you're probably rooting for this non-romance, this very adult, realistic, non-chemistry romance, but it turns out that they um, are still together at the end after he, you know, puts every universe back in its correct place. Um, they are still a couple, but she did not give up being a beat cop, too dedicated to the police force, um, and did not become queen of the kingdom. Uh, but instead, they just secretly get together every weekend. And they just go to other universes together, have some dates, and then they just go back to work, (laughs) I think, on Monday. But no one knows about their secret relationships because they fear that as soon as they do, all of these universes will fall apart again. Um, And, you know, they... It's very similar, we thought, actually, to the ending of Crash Landing, where they, like, rather than only seeing each other on weekends, they only see each other for two weeks or on holiday or something. And it's a very similar sort of separation of communication, you know, so like in North Korea and South Korea, they can't text and have any other uh, type of long distance relationship Um, in this the two parallel universes obviously they can't text either <laughs> um, so she they just like arrange to to meet you know like i'll meet you by the bamboo forest and then like you know <laughs> friday at six o'clock they like get together and then they hold hands and go back in time or forwards in time and then they just like eat different foods together and that's kind of it <laughs> that's how yeah. things end yeah I don't know why I don't know again like I don't know why she just can't move to the kingdom or whatever she's an independent woman they cannot live together she cannot give up her career of being a beat cop to be a queen (laughs) I mean like clearly one is superior over the other you know they're like they might as well be the same thing like you're, you're a, an entity for the monarchy. You're a, you're a cop. Like it's essentially the same. You're both cops. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something like we wanted to also mention that the word treason was echoed throughout in this show, as one can imagine, because that's what the step uncle stepbrother enacts is like he's he's treasonous. Mm-hmm. Um, versus in hyena, like the overtone was revenge. So we were wondering if there's something kind of, yeah, like what to do with that, like the the sort of interplay between the two, because they're clearly like not the same. Well, treason always has a sort of like loyalty to the state or loyalties to some institution. And that very much is something that is expressed throughout is like this, the a sense of loyalty. I mean, like, we never even really understand why he deserves, like, he, the, the monarchy is his. I mean, you have to sort of buy into the premise that it's his, and thus, like, that is why there's a traitor, and then that that is why, like, there's a king type of thing, so. Yeah. Well, you know, we, 
I had to believe a lot of things to watch the show. And in terms of fashion, there is nothing to report, and there is a fucking king. And so the fact that there is nothing to report and no king, I think says a lot. But like a lot of chicken and a lot of weird face facial helmets and um yeah and and facial bombs that i was like well her skin does look great you're right you're not wrong about that you're like you're born in 1982 because you look amazing she's just bombing she's bombing all the time she's on the job she's beat copying and she's just bomb while she's doing it um yes so we do not really recommend that you watch this show unless, oh, don't. Please don't. unless you're just like really ready for absurdist theater or to just slowly like unravel thinking about how the most difficult person to fight is the person that everyone insists looks like you. Also, if you're just someone that's really into seeing a handsome man on a horse, there's a lot of scenes of that, too. So, I mean, no judgment. That's your thing. There's a lot of it in the show. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Um, But thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, everybody. It was amazing. And we will be back um, with a show about um, a Korean film with a special guest star. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.